So on to Leviticus and then to very exciting topics. Uh, who here likes skin disease? I just, just, you know, I just wanted to see how well it got there. Um, I wrote this down. We're going to continue looking at living out the law. And I put this up here. It's that ritual purity. And it's 11 through 15. And, and I'm, I wrote this down. It's very tempting to move quickly through chapters 11 through 15. Because you, you can teach a really neat lesson and grab them all. And I think there's a lot of validity in doing that. But as we are approaching Leviticus, we were diving into the details. And so I know at times we're, we're doing a lot of reading. And I, I wrote my lesson and I know usually how much I have to write before it's going to go way too long. I'm not the best at that, but I know usually where it falls. And I realize that we're going to do a lot of reading tonight and we're going to work through scripture. And I want to encourage you to just hear God's words. And so I'm going to add some, I call commentary or comments or key components here and there, but really we're going to be listening to God's word. And we chose this because we want to hear what God has to say. One author says this about this portion of scripture. It's a lengthy, detailed section because holiness demands attention to detail. And it's fascinating as you look at this, and I'll I'll be honest right now, 11 through 15 is some of the hardest to teach because we're dealing with skin disease. Um, But what's tucked in the middle of skin disease twice, no, three, I think it's twice it is, you're seeing a picture of the Day of Atonement with birds and killing of a bird and sending one bird free and one bird's blood is used to dip the other bird in. That's as they're getting cleansed. And so you're getting pictures of the Day of Atonement, which we're building to, and we're going to be centered in uh, on the last Wednesday of this year. And so I just want us to remember that. And then remember Leviticus eleven forty four and 45. That's that well-known, ye shall be holy for I am holy. It's quoted in the New Testament. That is nestled in these laws. And so as you think about God's detail, and then you realize that de- holiness demands detail and that God's central command for all of these laws is be holy because I'm holy, driven to his character. Then you understand the benefit, I think, of reading and walking through this. So we'll be reading. If you get a reading and if I call your name for whatever it is, you walk over to that mic, just make sure the green light is on and you're going to dive in. So we've covered in this what you're supposed to eat um, And we've learned a little bit of the why and how it works. And I want to remind us of this. I'll be saying this again. The idea of what is clean is what is whole. When it came to animals, it was a lot to do with how they moved, what was was systematic. So something that hops is systematic. Something that scurries and moves around is chaotic. And so that's why some bugs were okay to eat and some were not. It had to do with their locomotion and it had to do with their hooves and how they chewed. What was, what was typical for a pastoral people, God used what they knew and framed so they would understand who he was. It was the same animals that he accepted in sacrifice were the ones that they could consume and the ones were off limits. And again, it was dealing with what was whole or standard or in the norm. As we dive into this idea of skin, and I'll say this again multiple times, the idea of wholeness is coming in. And you're going to notice oftentimes that you have a spot here or a spot there, or for you poor bald people, spots on your bald head, right? And baldness is not uncleanness. I just want you to know that. 
just, and I'm, I'm there. I have a fake covering here, but it's really thin back here. So I'm with you guys. I'm just not as bold as you yet. Uh, I may be there someday. You guys have pretty heads. Mine's all lumpy and weird. Uh, but it's, baldness is not bad. It's just you can get bumps on your head and they can see it. So they're going to talk about it, but it's, it's not, it's always about the idea of wholeness. And you're going to see red in here that when someone is covered with problems, they actually are clean because there's a sense of wholeness there. So it's driving to a principle. Uh, next week, we're going to dive into chapter 12, which I didn't get to do two weeks ago, which was childbirth. And 12 goes really well with 15, which is bodily discharge. They are not the most comfortable chapters to read. That's why I'm letting you read them next week. And I'll get to talk about them, but they're necessary. And you see the practicality that God brings to the equation and what he does with life to drive them to see what he is and who he is and what it means to be in the presence of a holy God. Tonight, though, we're into skin diseases, and I went ahead and grabbed reading number one. I uh, just made the list here, so if you, I'll, I'll call your name out, or if you remember, if you're the next one, it'll come up on the screen. Um, but this way, you can grab it out of your Bible, read it. I'm going to start off in signs of leprosy. And the first thing I'm going to explain to you is leprosy. But let me read uh, 1 through 8 of chapter 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy and the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. If the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh and in sight be not deeper than the skin and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut him up that hath the plague seven days. And the priest shall look on him the seventh day and behold, if the plague in his sight be at a stay, stopped and the plague spread not in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up seven more days. And the priest shall look on him again the seventh day. And behold, if the plague be somewhat darker and the plague spread not in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is but a scab and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And the priest see that behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin. Then the priest shall pronounce him unclean it is a leprosy. Now, this chapter, and in some ways has been misinterpreted so long that we immediately hear the word leprosy, and we think of what's called Hansen's disease. We think of people who lose sense of touch and feel and nerve damage, and, and they'll have components fall off. And I'm going to say it is an unfortunate translation because they took it as a transliteration of the Greek Septuagint, which says leprosy, and the Greek leprosy meant more what the Hebrew word is. And the Hebrew word is tesserat, and that word literally means skin disease. Very generic. And when they were translating Scripture, when the Septuagint, which is a translation of Hebrew Scripture— uh, used heavily. They used a word that was in Greek, and I don't know it off the top of my head. It's leprosy with a Greek ending on it. Um, and it, it meant skin disease, infection. Interestingly enough, Hebrew is, is at times a very nuanced language, very, very neat in how it can describe things. It doesn't function like Spanish or English or even Greek. It has its own way of doing its verbs and its tenses. It's, it's a really interesting language, but it can be very descriptive. And what's interesting is 
Tisserat means pretty much any skin disease. I say that because when we see the word leprosy, we think of what we know today as Hansen's disease, which is, a, I think, a bacterial my, microbial infection, and you can get over it. It's six to 12 months of medicine, and they can get it out of your body. If you catch it early enough, you don't have any disfiguration. But it is a horrible disease, and it did plague the ancient world. However, I want us, when we're reading this, because I read it for so long, and maybe you already knew this, but when I always read it, I'm seeing leprosy, and like I always thought, man, the priests have to get right next to leprosy. Like, oh, you're leprous. Well, I don't want to be around you, because we've all seen the movies, and they play it up in the New Testament uh, movies sometimes, and these people have leprosies, and they're unclean, and that did happen. But we often just put it into one category of uncleanness, and actually, that is not the driving point of the skin disease. I would almost say that there was no leprous skin disease that they're dealing with. I just can't say that because Tisserat deals with skin disease. And so it could have been, but it was not the majority. So it's not just that there's other skin disease. I would say that by far it's dealing with something else. Now, Hansen's disease is, is awful. I read a book about pain and it was written by Philip Yancey, and he talked about pain, and we, we deal, pain is awful, right? We don't want pain. And he, Hansen's disease is basically the absence of pain. And there was a story in there about a man that went blind with this disease, but the disease didn't cause his blindness. His lack of feeling ended up where he was cleaning his face with scalding water, and he burned his eyes so he couldn't see. There was a little boy in an orphanage with this, a hole full of them, and they had a locked door with a rusty key that no one could open. And this 12-year-old boy, men, women couldn't open it, opens it and cuts his hand to the bone, feels nothing. And, and Philip Yancey used these illustrations to tell us that pain is a good thing sometimes. It lets us know, because basically what you do with what we know as leprosy is your body wears out because you use it too hard because you don't know that you shouldn't be turning the key if it cuts you to the bone. And you don't feel the scalding water on your face. And so you're going you're gonna to destroy it. That is not what we're looking at here, though. Uh, it's not the disease in focus. What are some of the diseases? Psoriasis, eczema, infections, deep-seated ulcers, boils, infections from burns, infections on foreheads and bald heads. And I just can't help it. It makes me smile every time I say it. And I apologize. I just want you to know that I am one of you. I just hide it better than you do. Uh, I'm there. Uh, possible symptoms from other contagious diseases. Some of these recuperations, Mr. Price, like, I'm going to take off this toupee at some point. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but some of these diseases are like, you would have, let's say, scarlet fever, and some of the healing process would be some of these problems. And so you understand that there's a component to this that, that you, it's infectious disease that could spread to the community, but that's not the main gist. Um, worth noting this as well. A lot of the description you see for the priest are very technical terms. They find these in an Egyptian medical manual as well. And so you're seeing God use the language they're used to using to refer to diseases, something that Moses would have been very in tune to, being educated in Pharaoh's court, highly educated man. And you see how God uses his even intellect and knowledge woven into Leviticus here. But because it's this technical data, sometimes it's like, wow, it seems redundant, right? But if someone was diagnosing or trying to tell you you're clean or unclean, you want them to know the details, right? 
I was sharing with Jason beforehand. I was like, if I had something, I'd be like, I ain't showing the priest this bump yet. I'm, I'm waiting as long as I can. They're going to kick me out of camp if they do this. So there was an accountability in the Israelite to, to go see the priest. Here's the thing to keep in mind, and this is important. The priests are not physicians. This is a critical thing. Their job was not to prescribe medicinal help for them. Israel was always driven to seek healing from God. They understood that it was God who brought healing and it's God who provided. The priests were functioning as standard bearers. They were called to uphold God's criteria and standard. Remember Leviticus 10.10? You are to distinguish between what is clean and what is unclean. You are not a doctor saying, you have an ulcer of the skin. And so we're going to put this polis on it and we're going to do this and we're going to... No, what you see is them verifying fact, and they're given that criteria. Now, I'm talking a lot in these first eight verses just to get us built to where we're at. These laws, I think you can recognize, had a hygienic helpfulness. If someone has an infectious disease, what do we typically do? Quarantine, right? We understand that today, right? Because we just walked through COVID-19, which interestingly enough, I read an article that Pepto-Bismol might help you get rid of it. So I'm like, oh, there you go. Good job, Pepto, you know, unpublished articles. It's just a random thought. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up on the internet where everything's true. I'm just kidding. Um, all that to say, we understand quarantine. We understand this idea. Someone has a disease. We don't want it to go around. So we would, we would separate. And so as you look at the nation of Israel, some of these infectious diseases, it makes sense that you put someone outside of the camp so that they wouldn't pass it on. But that is not the driving reason. Just like with the animals, there are some hygienic components to it. And that's God's, I call God's practicality. God is a practical God, but his purpose was their spiritual well-being or their eternal well-being. And so he was teaching them on sin and uncleanness. It was done to focus them on God's holiness. So an eclectic group of conditions shared some similarities. Discoloring, I don't know if you noticed, if it went deeper than the surface, there was a problem. Uh, affecting part but not all of the object and actively spreading. There is this idea that something that is abnormal, that's affecting something, makes you not whole. And remember, wholeness in these purity laws deals with the idea of holiness. So it's, it's a picture. This is not to say that the person with the skin disease was sinful in and of themselves. It meant that they were depicting what it meant for a holy God who is clean to be in the presence of his people. And they were infected, as humanity is, with sin. And so their actions were showing them the importance of a holy God or seeing that God is holy and what that implied. Um, it implied consequences, right? What happened to Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned? Did they stay in the garden? Eviction. Notice that someone who has a depiction of sin is what? They're sent out of the camp. And we're going to touch on it at the end. Uh, what are one of the people groups that Jesus healed? The lepers. I love that. I'm going to say it ahead of time just because I like it so much. The illustration of sin and what it does and its consequences. Jesus went and healed the illustration. Can you imagine that? They know what this means. 
and he heals the lepers. So he's sending lepers in to be, have been cleansed. You're in exile because you're unclean and Christ comes and they're clean. And I, I love the fact that in the New Testament, you see Jesus Christ literally fulfilling the illustration given to the Israelite people in the desert, depicting sin and its contamination. And he has made them what? Clean, whole, right with God being able to fellowship with God. And it's, we don't want to miss that as we look in Leviticus. So the idea here is as you're separated because of the skin disease, you're reminded of the spiritual significance of life. Not just your circumstance, but the idea that sin causes separation. Sin drives you away from a holy God and it should drive you as a person and but as a group of people to both see and seek redemption it will remind the families of the cost and loss and sin and the whole community of the responsibility of being a people set apart, holy unto God. So not to isolate this person and pick on them, but to more teach all of Israel that sin has consequences. Grace costs. It's not, it's not free and it's not cheap is the word. It's free, but not cheap. And so they're understanding the weight of sin the contamination of sin, and so we dive in. So we're going to work our way through the chapters, uh, getting a taste of the details. And as we do, I want you to do something. And whoever has reading number two, Sue has reading number two, if you want to pop up here to the microphone and get ready to read that. I want you to, to, to dump your Western mind, and that's hard to do. So we sit here, and I just talked about going to the hospital, and they put an IV in, and they put medicine in, they take blood, and it's all this very modern look. And, and I want you to instead be in exile right now. Ancient world exile. Remember this. You are journeying without a car and all the modern amenities to a promised land, something promised to you by God. You are a former slave freed now by that God to live for that God in the land that that God is going to provide. You are hearing this as a freed people from the one, and, and we all are freed by him, but we aren't as connected as they were because we distance. That's why I'm saying dump your Western mind, be an Israelite. And you're hearing these laws that are going to drive you to understand uh, God's holiness. Go ahead and let's have reading number two, Leviticus 3, 9 through 17. That passage, when leprosy covers you from head to foot, you're suddenly clean because it's all uniform. It's holy over you. And so you're getting this idea what it's not just about this some type of disease and not just about it healing, but this idea of wholeness or completeness comes fully around. But this one deals with, and again, it's more guidelines, detailed instructions, no confusion. But again, God is talking about raw flesh, opening wounds, different things that depict that this disease is not done. And then you're not shut up for two weeks. And that's where sometimes I'm not saying misleading, but the drawing can be misleading, right? Because in the picture, the man's like, see you in two weeks. That's convenient. There's people who spent a lifetime in exile because they didn't get clean again. And so we missed the real lesson, the weight of the real lesson, because some of these guys with this thing, notice what is said here. They're not locked up. They're not put in. I mean, it's not that they're back in camp. It means we're not even bothering counting seven days to see if you're clean because we know you're not. So you just go away. When you're clean, you'll walk through the seven days and seven days again. But you're not even, you're, you're out in exile. And so that drawing is nice. And when I say it's cute and it helps us connect to it, but we have to be careful. It doesn't depict everything that's being said about this disease because there are people who got stuck in exile for a lifetime. And that's hard 
on a family. Grace will cost. It'll, it'll, it'll be, a, it's, it's not that it's not free, it's just it's not cheap. And you recognize that, that sin is a consequence and there's pain associated with it. There is a very real sense that sin has tainted mankind. And that pain that they would feel would be there. Raw flesh, one of the things that people say is, is as you're in the final exfoliate stages of scarlet fever, you end up with raw flesh. And so you realize also the hygienic principle that's going to come in play, like you don't want that to spread all over. So they're set in isolation. But again, it is not an easy thing to do. And that's what I want us to keep in our mind and not get the two weeks is getting to cleaning. It's not the time that they spent only in exile. It's there. If someone has that in reading number three, Leviticus 13, that is Patricia, 13, 18, chapter 13, 18 through 20. Eight. Uh, we'll be reading that one going through. And if whoever has reading number four, if you're just right behind them, uh, Christina Oliver, you're Kristen Oliver. Sorry, I can't even read. Um, you're next. You'll be quickly right after. I have very little to say. <laughs> Go ahead. Notice again, right? It's skin deep, not deeper than that skin. If it doesn't spread and then the idea of a white hair if you have the right colored hair in the sore, then, then it's getting healed. And this white or yellowish hair is going to be a problem. Or the lack of normal hair, and we're going to see that later on, is going to depict that it's not clean yet. But notice what's there. Depth, spreading, white hair. That's what we're constantly seeing here. And so they're constantly looking for that. And they're always, if they're almost clean, they get shut up for how many days? Seven and get looked at again. And if it starts to spread, they're in the unclean group. If not, they get another seven days where they're going to walk through and make sure that this has passed it. Uh, Kristen, if you don't mind doing then uh, reading number four, which is 29 through 37. How we get into the scalp and the beard. Some of us afflicted there as well. We have this idea of a, of this type of, infection and yellow hair depicts uncleanness, right? And then the lack of black hair is going to be unclean as well. And then this idea, again, what do you see? Deep or spreading? As you read through this, as you study it, recognize the few hints there, but you're constantly going to get this idea. Does it go deeper? Does it spread? And then in this one, it's unique because when they see black hair grown up, they're in, it's healed. He's clean because that depicts then health underneath of it. And so again, the priest is given these ideas of what they're supposed to do. But again, over and over, we're going to see, does it spread? Is it deeper than the skin? When we get to clothes and houses, and that's another reason we know it's not just leprosy, same word. Tesserat is used of the house. Tesserat is used of the clothes. And clothes don't get leprosy like we think of leprosy. And And houses don't get leprosy, but they can have a skin disease, right? These are skins. These are your outer layer of your clothes and your house plaster can have skin disease. And if it's the plaster, you remove it, you put it back and it's good, not deeper than the skin. But if it's deep into the walls, you end up destroying the whole house. So you're going to see that kind of come out. Uh, Reading number five, Bob Price, you are up for a bunch of times, I think. Just stand. You can sit right there on the side after you're done. Just keep reading. (laughs) You are... 38 through 46. 
couple of notes I want to bring up. One, 38 and 39, talked about that white shiny spot, but you're still clean. That's actually leukoderma, and it's a condition that people know about that didn't make you unclean. I made a lot of jokes about baldness. I want to explain it now so I don't get in trouble uh, or God punish me with my hair just literally falling out in, in handfuls. But one, baldness is not uncleanness. And that's a critical component because I want you to think about what happens to certain individuals who have high intelligence, their hair can't hold on anymore. And so you can imagine in the Israelite community, what would appear to be unwhole? Typically what? People have hair on their head. Then your hair falls out and people might get confused like your hair's falling out. You've got, you've got to be unclean. And I want you to recognize that there's the practicality here. One, you know, there's a bunch of Israelites that went bald. Uh, so they were protecting that. But it's important to see this. Why does he make this note? Well, he's trying to let you know that baldness is not uncleanliness, even though it will feel like it's a lack of wholeness because you're, you're losing something there. And so it's just clarifying that that is not a skin condition. This is not depicting uncleanness. But then they go on to say, but if you're bald and you get a spot there. In other words, the rules are the same for the head as it would be for the rest of the body. Why highlight those who are bald having a spot on their head and not people like Mr. Price with his beautiful head full of hair there? Because he's not going to have, he's not going to be able to see any spot in his head unless he's digging for it, right? The people that have thinning hair, we know when there's bumps on our heads because we look in the mirror or someone else will say, hey, look, your head looks funny. It's a bump on it, right? And so it highlights this, but it's actually important to recognize that the loss of hair didn't make you unclean. Paul, I think, is often depicted as someone with thinning hair. Is it Elisha, the one that called the bears down on the kids? Um, he was a bald man. They were making fun of him, and he calls it down. There's actually, I'm going to say this because I probably never will do it, but I had thought to get this T-shirt for a classic life class, and it's that verse, and bears are coming out, and it says, respect your elders, because <laughs> I would call the bears down. So either way, people would mock people for baldness, but God is making sure they understand not unclean. It's the same as any other area. Number six, Jason, that's you. You're up 47 to 59, uh, Leviticus 13. Um, looking again at, and actually we're taking a shift here, and we're moving now into clothing. How do we handle clothing? And Jason gets the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, he has the whole Rick and Moreau. Yes. What you have is skin disease and clothing. And it makes sense, right? What happens? What makes a garment unclean if it what? Spreads, right? If it's isolated and stops, it's okay. If it spreads and goes all over, it ends up being burned, right? And we know it. As we get to the houses and you start thinking, and again, it's the same word in Hebrew, lasarat. Right? It's this skin disease, this generic skin disease of clothing, and it would be a mold that we'd be looking at, and it's going to be spreading. You get rid of it. Now, hygienically, that makes sense, right? Who here puts moldy clothes on? Some teens do, but most adults skip that, right? And then when we get to houses, what do we do if you find mold in a house, if you're trying to sell it? You have to do what? You got to get rid of it. And if you can't get rid of it, no one wants to move into that house, right? They test for this. This is because mold is what? What do we consider? Mold is a dangerous thing to live with, right? It can cause serious health problems. So as we look at 13, I want us to rem remember a couple things. One, priests are not doing a doctor's diagnosis. 
They're only to decide on clean or unclean. They have a very specific set of rules. It's spreading back to the unclean group. You think you're getting better? Let's watch you for seven days. We'll look. Oh, it looks like it spread back to the unclean group. If it looked like it stayed in one place, they got another seven days to watch it. And they looked and see how it's doing. And they have all these processes to make sure there was no quick move back into community. There was a careful, detailed look at everybody. No one went from the camp of unclean and went, bam, I'm clean. I got, I got a free bill of health from the priest on this one. I should be fine. Instead, they're looked at and they're examining, okay, let's see if this has stopped spreading. We know where it is. And you'll even see when the priest makes sacrifices, it's supposed to be the same priest that was examining them would need to make the sacrifices for them because this person's confirming that, yeah, that spot is only this big, right? Have you ever had a spot that grows on you, and you, then you have to realize at some point you got to get to the doctor. I was sharing with Jason before, and I got bit by a brown recluse this summer. Um, I didn't know that they, they could do this. I got a little pin drop bite. It's like this big. I'm going to show you right there. It was about that big. I'm in Grand Canyon. I'm like, huh, that's a weird little thing there. I have my leg right here. You know, they get it. By the time I got home, it was as big as my leg here, my hand on my leg. And every time I thought it was getting better, it would like almost cave in the center. And I'm like, something's not right with this. And others like, you've been bit by a brown recluse. Being a guy, I'm like, no, if you get bit by a brown recluse, your skin rots away and you're going to have this foul odor. And it's until I search what a brown recluse bite looks like. And it's exactly what my bite looks like. So in the end, I go, I go, what is it, 10 days? Because um, I'm pretty sure I got bit here at home while mowing. Um, and so I will, 10 days I come back, I go in, the lady's like, yeah, at this point we can't tell cause it's all just messed up looking. Uh, there's one antibiotic for 21 different bites, took it, boom. Now it looks like someone shot me in the leg. It's not this big. It's just this big little scar to remember that I should listen to my wife early on because there's doctors in Colorado Springs and the Grand Canyon and all these places that if I would have just listened, I would have had nothing there. But either way, why not be stubborn, right? Um, but you, you notice we could know. And how do we know it spread? Heather would take a picture and then we would look the next day and say, huh, it's bigger than the picture. And it kept on expanding. So a priest had to be cognitive of what you're, he couldn't just come to you like the 50th person in. Oh, let me see. Yeah, I guess it's not spreading. No, he knew. He, he, he was engaged with the people. And that's something to keep in mind. He's not a doctor, but they know what's happening. And what links us all together is the concept of wholeness being equated with holiness. Uh, the lack of wholeness equated to ritual impurity. And that person could not be involved in the nation of Israel. No sacrifices outside the realm. And think about the financial burden what if you're the breadwinner and they didn't have the same economy that we have, so it would have functioned easier for them. But if you're the main person handling the flocks and taking care of things, you couldn't do that. That's a burden on a family. And then you would see why it's important for other members of the community to step up and to help and to see you felt the real pain of what sin would represent. And it's an impactful and obvious visual illustration of the seriousness of being God's people, being set apart to holiness it was tough and it was costly to live out. But we don't serve an inhumane God. And I know I'm running a little bit out of time, but I want us to dive a little bit into 14 before we wrap up because the Lord also gave instructions for cleansing, for restoration, for renewal. So we're going to dive into reading number seven is Leviticus chapter 14, one through nine. And Eric is actually up on that one. 
going to end here, but I just wanted to remind you, after he's been declared clean, what do priests typically do if you're starting to be healthy again? You have a seven-day watch period and then another seven-day watch period. And now we're getting cleansed. And what happens after he's cleansed? And I'll talk about that. Seven days, and then he's getting to shave every hair off his head. And then he's going to go get examined and shave every hair off his head again and clean himself. In other words, and I mentioned this, the two weeks that we see there really isn't two weeks. It's uncleanness with animals. You would wait two weeks. But when you're dealing with the skin disease, it seems like it's pretty hard to get back in under a month by the time you're going through all this. Now, I want to share a few things. Um, This is what takes place outside of the camp. And it is an encapsulated look of the Day of Atonement. It's this idea of, and they don't deal with the scapegoat in this, but something is killed. The blood is set on this other animal and it's sent off and we're going to see that in the, the image of that kind of built out in the Day of Atonement with uh, the lamb and then the offering that's done and the whole process that's there. It's like almost a, a mini version uh, of that. As I mentioned before the reading, this pictures again that atonement. The unclean person would see clearly life given for what? Cleanliness, for purity, to be made acceptable to enter the Israelite community. And I put here, it cost something. And what did it cost? Life. Something died in place of this person. And never miss that sacrificial image that is constantly put before the nation of Israel and constantly put before us, that as they're being made clean, acceptable to reenter, a bird dies. Death is involved. Blood is involved. They catch the blood. Now, that was an earthen vessel. What happens to earthen vessel that has sacrificial blood put in it? What do you have to do with that vessel? You break it, right? It's not a copper vessel. On purposely, you're using something that then gets destroyed. And we're going to see next week, we'll dive into the offerings and you'll see the whole plethora of offerings coming back. You'll see God accommodating for the poor, but still making them sacrifice a lamb. And there's this massive amount of sacrifice that goes into it. But I want us to realize something. It cost something. Before they walk back into camp, There is death that takes place. There's blood that takes place. There's an earthen vessel that's broken. There's a bird sent off away, carrying off in that idea, the scapegoat idea. There's this whole process reminding them that sin is pricey. It's not just a check mark that you finish. I'll get clean enough. I'm back on in. I had to do that time out in the, out in the wilderness. They're reminded before they make that movement back in. And we're actually going to see that there's a whole bunch more offerings that are going to take place. And that's not all that is sacrifice. But that's all we're going to get to uh, tonight. Take some time, maybe read through 14 and 15. Uh, next week, we'll finish 14. Uh, and we're going to close out again looking at... Um, how Christ went to the lepers. Just briefly think about that. If you're reading in the Gospels, just find those as you read him healing people and he goes to the lepers. We all know it, right? Christ went to the, and we, um, everyone says, he went to the lepers. He went, we hear that story. We can see him healing the 10, right? The 10 lepers and only what? one came back to thank him, but he sent them to who? To show that they were clean. The priest. Now, when he healed them and he showed up, It wasn't like there was a scab that stayed in the same place. When he healed them, they showed up and what? They were clean. What do you need to be purified from? 
nothing because it's gone. Isn't that amazing? Where here you see seven days and seven days and seven days and seven days. And a month later, you finally get to go make your offering. And the priest can now declare you clean. When Christ healed people in the New Testament, went to the priest. And the priest's like, were you sick? Because I don't see anything on you. There's nothing there. And you see the completeness of him healing. But don't miss the fact that our Lord and Savior fulfilled the illustration to teach Israel of sin. He healed that illustration even. I call it just eradicated it or he healed it. Nothing could be more bold and bombastic in their community than no sick people. And just getting this in mind. Can you imagine being in a town where he heals everyone who's sick? Imagine that in Culpeper. No one's in the hospital because Jesus was in town. And then imagine the lepers that are on outside and you know, oh, they're unclean, unclean. No, they're not. They're clean. He healed them. There's no uncleanness in his pre- And it's just, they shouldn't have missed their Savior, right? And, and we shouldn't miss our Savior either. So diving back into it, I know it can get a little bit mundane, but look for spreading, look for depth, look for white hairs, look for yellow hairs, look for a lack of black hair because that would depict that things were back to normal. That's what they're kind of seeing. Recognize the practical side, but also see God's amazing mercy and grace and the picture he keeps on painting.